Hello, this is Mr. Dion Brown, licensed clinical therapist, trauma professional, and founder of DJB Therapeutic Solutions. I wanted to come to talk to everyone about an important subject uh, during this podcast, which would be suicide and suicide prevention and awareness. September nationally is Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month, and suicide is a very important subject, topic. Suicide involves the intentional taking of one's life to uh, harm oneself. And one of the things that happens is that every year, for various reasons, a number of people commit suicide. September is National Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. So this is an important time to have this discussion about this highly tabooed and stigmatized topic. Suicide can pretty much impact and affect anyone, irregardless of age, gender, race, background, socioeconomic status, religion, gender, sexual orientation, etc. No one is exempt from the dangers and hazards of suicidal thoughts, feelings, behaviors. Every year, thousands of individuals die by suicide, leaving behind their friends, family members to try to navigate the tragedy of the loss. And in many cases, friends and family members affected and impacted by a suicidal loss. We often call them suicide loss survivors are left in the dark. And because of shame and stigma, a lot of people have difficulty talking about things openly. So suicide is, is very real. And during this month of September, this prevention month, I want to give you some information to look at and to consider. And hopefully, if you ever find your mind clouded with these sort of thoughts and feelings, and or if you know someone who struggles here, then hopefully you will be better equipped and have some better resources. Let's start with some important facts, some fast facts about suicide. One of the things to consider is that According to statistics, 75% of all people who die by suicide are males. Although more women than men attempt suicide, men are nearly four times more likely to die by suicide. Suicide also is the second leading cause of death for people ages 10 to 34, the fourth leading cause of death for people 35 to 54. And we do see an overall increase in the suicide rate in the United States. Almost half, listen to this, almost half of people who die by suicide had a diagnosed mental health condition as well. And the research indicates that while half of individuals who die by suicide have a diagnosed mental health condition, a 90% experience 
symptoms. So you may be saying as you're listening to this podcast, what would go into the heart and mind of a person to put them in a place where they would want to hurt themselves? Why would they want to harm themselves, kill themselves, stop living? There can be a plethora of reasons that people become hopeless, feel helpless, get into despair, and not want to live anymore. Maybe their inability to see a solution to their problems or to cope with various challenging life circumstances may lead some people to believe that taking their own lives is the only solution to what is in actuality a temporary situation. So if if you're listening now and you have struggled or you struggle now with suicidal thoughts because of life and life challenges, life problems, life stressors. Understand that at the core of what you're feeling and experiencing at the core is that you probably don't want to die, but you do want what you're dealing with, the pain and the suffering and the agony and the challenge of what you're dealing with to end. Understand that your situation is temporary. It's not eternal. It's not going to last always. It is a temporary situation. You just have to make it through and survive on the other side. You can, even if you've had some sort of attempt in the past to harm yourself, you can go on to live a very rich, full, rewarding life. So reasons people try to commit suicide, depression, 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 depression is a common reason that people try to commit suicide. Depression is a key risk factor for suicide. Now, understand that their depression is very, very treatable and that there are two types of depression. One type we call uh, psychosocial depression, and this is where a individual has stress. He or she has stress or stressors that start to get to them. Loss of a job, relational problems, family issues, their own self-esteem struggles, childhood dilemmas, trauma, financial problems. The list goes on and on and on that there can be a number of regular life challenges and struggles that people deal with that cause their mood to go down, where their mood is down, where they're kind of depressed. I mean, we'll, we'll get into some symptoms of depression in a bit. So depression is um, it's treatable, but it is a big reason people, people get into a mind and emotional space of being suicidal untreated, untreated, untreated depression can lead people down paths of not wanting to live and be here. The second type of depression we call clinical depression. Clinical depression is more of a more of a biological genetic predisposition. You know, perhaps there is a genetic evidence of depression in a person's family system on either side of the family. And what can happen is a person can be genetically predisposed to experiencing symptoms of depression, as well as they can encounter 
various life cycle social stressors that can kind of um, be the catalyst or push things in a certain way in a certain direction. Clinical depression definitely requires a different level and type of treatment, clinical modality, but both are very treatable. So if you are listening to this podcast right now and you find yourself struggling with depression, I want you to know that depression is very treatable. You can go see a licensed therapist, a licensed social worker, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a mental health professional, various support groups, whether in person or virtual, that clinical depression is very treatable. You do not have to die, but you can live. But it is important that your depression, which can hit anyone, that your depression gets treated. What is depression and what are some symptoms of depression? Symptoms of depression, things like a depressed mood where your mood is just blah. Your mood is low. Some people with depression suffer from crying spells where they just keep crying continually and can't stop. Excessive crying and teary maybe. Maybe minimal things can cause a person to be in a place where they have crying episodes, sleep difficulties, sleeping excessively, or waking up in the middle of the night and cannot sleep, loss of interest or pleasure in things that you usually like to do, recreational and social things that a person usually like to do, they might find themselves backing up and withdrawing from those things. Being tired is another symptom of depression, feelings of helplessness, hopelessness, worthlessness, having decreased concentration, having thoughts about death. And there's two types. There's uh, what we call passive suicidal ideation and passive suicidal ideation kind of deals with the fact that, you know, maybe I don't want to get up tomorrow or if I don't wake up, that's fine. Or if, um, if I get hit or shot tomorrow, I, I don't, have a problem with that. That's more passive, what we call passive suicidal thoughts, where those sort of thoughts will go through an individual's thought life and mind. Then we have what's called active suicidal thoughts. And active suicidal thoughts, this is where a person, it transcends beyond just thoughts, but a person takes time and effort and energy to hurt himself or herself. So these are some of the, these are not all, but these are some of the more classic symptoms of depression. Again, the good news is that depression is very treatable. We know that women are two times more likely than men to develop depression. We understand also that one in 10 people will experience depression during their lifetime. And we also know that many people experience their first depressive episode between the ages of 20 and 30. But we treat depression. Depression is treatable. Untreated depression can be dangerous and lead people down paths of uh, suicidal thoughts and behaviors. But since we're talking about suicide awareness and prevention, we want to let you know that depression is treatable. It's treatable first through therapy, counseling, approach we call CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, which works by person going into counseling or therapy to look at their thoughts and their thought patterns to help them in their thoughts and behaviors. 
CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy has been found to be very helpful for treating depression. We also treat depression more so the second type that I mentioned earlier, the clinical depression, where there is a biological genetic predisposition. We also treat depression through good, solid medication management. There are medications that affect the chemical levels in the brain. So that is another way that we treat depression. Studies do show that there are some medicines that can really help treat depressive symptoms and lift a person's mood. In addition to therapy and medication management for treatment of depression, studies have shown also that in addition to those things, not exclusively, but in addition to sometimes a combination effect of both psychotherapy and medication has been found to be the most effective treatment for depression. But often in addition to those things, physical exercise has been found to have a significant antidepressant effect. So depression, if you're depressed and you're listening, it is treatable. It is important, ma'am or sir, that you um, maybe get connected to an individual counselor or therapist. You can check with your insurance company, your insurance network, psychologytoday.org.com, rather, therapyforblackmen.org, therapyforblackwomen.org, as well as some other community support groups. There is help for your depression. There is treatment for you. Now, there are some warning signs that a person may be in a space of danger as far as suicide. So whether you're talking about looking at your own self or someone you know, there are some common warning signs to consider, which we're going to share with you some risk factors that have been found to be related to the presence of suicidal behaviors. But no single risk factor can fully be used to assess risk. But here are some. Here are some risk factors. How do I know someone I know is in danger? These are the warning signs. These are the red flags, suicide warning signs. An individual is threatening verbally to hurt or kill themselves. Secondly, an individual has had previous suicide attempts in the past. An individual begins to search for means of suicide through pills, weapons, or other means. An individual may have a preoccupation with death and dying. An individual may have also suffered recent losses or in his or her life. An individual presents with a stance of hopelessness. An individual could have dramatic changes in their mood space. An individual may feel also as if there are no solutions to their present problems. An individual may tend to may tend to withdraw from some social relationships. An individual may be unable to sleep or could find could find this person sleeping all the time. A family history of suicide could be a warning sign. Some physical health problems could be warning signs, especially new diagnoses and worsening symptoms. Impulsivity or poor self-control 
could be a warning sign as well. So here is a list of some of the more common suicide warning signs. It's not exhaustive, but it is pretty thorough. So if you find yourself or others that you are aware of exhibiting some of these things, in addition to something very common, when you find that a person begins to give away his or her possessions and maybe wanting someone to hold hold on to some things or possess some of the things that they have, then that's a that's a common warning sign as well. And that's when we want to seek out help to prevent suicide. So is suicide preventable? Yes. Suicide is preventable. What does what does suicide prevention look like? Well a few things. A few things here. Suicide prevention. The idea is to prevent one's own suicide or a friend or loved one from committing suicide. Suicide prevention means things like checking in on your friends, you know, not and not just your strong friends, just checking in in general on your friends to make sure that everyone is okay and doing well mentally and emotionally. Suicide prevention also involves sharing various uh, crises hotlines. So people have a a method of outreach when they have these periods or moments where they're challenged. Suicide prevention also includes people having access to equitable and accessible mental health care. And that's where we mentioned earlier, people trying to connect with their insurance network, there are some community networks that do some mental health counseling pro bono. There's also various free support groups. And then there's websites that people can attempt to connect to. Suicide prevention involves societal destigmatization of mental health issues and of seeking mental health care. So understanding that uh, the word crazy, quote unquote, is irrelevant that everyone has challenges, difficulties, stressors, periods where they are challenged with various things, and it's perfectly fine, healthy, normal, and natural to seek out help. Suicide prevention also means from a global societal approach, changing the narrative about mental illness, changing the narrative about substance abuse and changing the narrative about suicide in the media. The good thing is that we are starting to see in the media, in music, arts and sports, radio, television, people are starting to talk about their their challenges and their struggles with various mental health related challenges like depression, anxiety, obsessive thoughts, etc. So we are moving toward a more of a normalized understanding of mental health and its importance and the implications of getting help and support as needed. Suicide prevention also means taking statements and actions and threats of self-harm and cutting and various other self-harm methods and suicide very seriously and not downplaying those things and dismissing words and phrases like this person 
is just seeking out attention or he or she just wants attention. So there's a number of things we can do for ourselves. We can go to, you know, we can go if it's ourselves, we can go to our nearest emergency room to be screened by a professional or get get our friend or loved one to a nearest emergency room if we discover that he or she tried to harm themselves in some sort of way or is talking about harming themselves, we can call 911 or we can take them, get them to commit to going with us to the emergency room to be screened. Suicide is preventable, but it does take some action. Now, how do I support someone with depression? I'm going to give you uh, four to five things to consider in, in supporting somebody who may be depressed and who may be kind of suicidal. Four to five things in supporting someone. How do I support someone who is depressed? Four to five things. Number one, recognize depression is an illness. It's an illness. Just like the cold or flu, person cannot simply choose to get over depression. Also, like other illnesses, Depression can affect and impact anybody. Person can develop depression even though they may seem to have a good life or be popular or be famous or have a lot of money. Depression does not care about any of that. Number two, make a point to reach out. Many people with depression will isolate themselves, often falling out of touch with friends and family. Now, you can't make anybody get help, but you can provide the option and and the support and and the push and talk to them about the importance of getting help and checking in with them regularly and inviting them to talk and reemphasizing with them your support. How can I be supportive of someone with depression? Number three, be supportive of healthy habits, healthy habits, exercise is a healthy habit, healthy sleeping habits, and socializing, eating habits, all contribute to mental health and help combat depression. Support those activities by giving encouragement, offering to accompany your loved one, or providing positive feedback. Number four, make time for self-care. Make time for self-care. Supporting somebody with depression can be It can be frustrating, can be tiring, can be emotionally draining, and it's okay. It's okay to take a break just for you. You know, make sure you get adequate sleep, make sure you're eating properly, you're exercising, and that you are taking time to relax as well. And lastly, supporting someone with depression by encouraging professional help, encouraging professional help, mental health counseling and medication, mental health counseling and medication are effective in treating depression. They are effective in treating depression. If your loved one is unsure where to start, offer to help them find the right provider, such as a physician, a mental health therapist, a psychologist, or psychiatrist. So we can get help and support for people that we know who are suffering with depression. Now, one of the things concerning suicide prevention, awareness and depression, et cetera, we see that black and brown people, black and brown people are 
disproportionately affected and impacted, unfortunately. We understand and see that concerning the African-American community, there's been a longstanding stigma. There's been, unfortunately, there's been stigma attached to people seeing a therapist, a psychologist, a psychiatrist. There's been false, unhealthy narratives that have gotten in the way that have prevented treatment and access to treatment, like you are people telling others that you must be crazy to sit down with someone and talk to someone. We understand clearly that that is a false narrative and we are working across the nation. We are presently working across the nation to kill and terminate the stigma related to mental health and wellness. And it is perfectly healthy and fine to seek out treatment. In addition, in the African-American community, Black and brown people have been disproportionately impacted as well due to access to health care, health disparities. So we are starting to see a change and a shift in that as well with people having better access. I want to share some information, however, with you concerning the impact with uh, suicide in uh, Black men, particularly. Suicide is the biggest killer of all men under 50. Suicide is proportionally more common among young Black men, but we see by the statistics and research that suicide was preventable in 31% of Black men. Why do we see this area so heavily with Black men? Two reasons. Black men are four times more likely detained under the Mental Health Act. Unemployment rates among Black men are highest between ages 16 to 24. Racism and trauma can also have a negative effect and impact on mental health. Like I mentioned earlier, stigma surrounding mental health in the, in the Black community, seeking help gets in the way, as well as Black men are more likely to access services through the criminal system. So we do see that there is a strong prevalence in the in the brown and black community, particularly among black men with uh, suicide. But we want to enforce and reinforce again that getting the appropriate help and support and treatment as a black male therapist with a thriving practice and connected to a number of black male therapists across the nation, we are starting to see a great turn, a great shift that Black men in particular more so are starting to come into counseling and therapy to work through their material, to unpack their things. So it helps with this because suicide is preventable and depression is treatable. So we're starting to see a good shift there. One of the things also that happens in our culture and society is, you know, people have to go through overcoming various myths that they deal with. One popular myth that we have to understand is that people can people can say I'm fine, but that doesn't mean that they don't struggle with suicidal thoughts. Oftentimes people check in and say, how are you doing? And people say, I'm fine. But they could very well struggle with suicidal thoughts and thoughts of self-harm, not wanting to be here, not wanting to live, et cetera. 
Another thing that can myth to consider is that people can go to work and be gainfully employed and still struggle with suicidal thoughts. It doesn't mean that because a person is working and an employee and gainfully employed that he or she doesn't have suicidal thoughts. Another myth that we work to dismantle is understanding that people can indeed talk and joke and still struggle with suicidal thoughts. So what we gather from people on the outside, their outward presentation, the representative that they put forward into the world is sometimes not the truth of what's going on on the inside of a person, in their thoughts, in their feelings, and in their behavior. So all of those things can be in play and people can still grapple and wrestle with suicide suicidal ideation, suicidal thoughts, suicidal tendencies. That's why it's important for us to check in with people and get them the help that they need soon as they soon as they need it. One of the things that we see happening also in society and the media, occasionally we will see an increase in suicidal thoughts, etc., among people because of a suicide of a prominent celebrity or member of a specific community, such as the military or an elementary school or media, sports, radio, TV, Hollywood personality, etc. And so what we will start to see in society sometimes is a surge in suicidal thoughts, actions, activities, behaviors. This is called a suicide contagion, a suicide contagion. And by definition, a suicide contagion is an increase in suicide attempts and completed suicides following exposure to a suicide in the media or one's personal circle. So that means in an, in essence, unfortunately, when a person commits suicide in their family system, within the phenomena of suicide contagion and people being left in the dark and confused and frustrated and sad and hurt and challenged emotionally, the phenomenon of suicide contagion can cause that within that family system can cause that individual's friends, family, loved ones, children, and et cetera, to consider suicide. One thing I want you to understand is we're talking about suicide prevention and awareness. Suicide is the intentional taking of one's life and suicide is permanent. Suicide is permanent. Oftentimes there are things when people get into these spaces of not wanting to live, when they're feeling helpless, hopeless, worthless, you may ask, what are some things that sometimes help to anchor an individual so he or she does not take viable action to harm themselves when mostly they probably don't want to die. They just want the pain of whatever they're experiencing to end. Many people who attempt to kill themselves, to harm themselves, 
to exit this life. Many people don't want to physically die, but they do want the pain of what they are experiencing to be over. And if you're listening to this podcast right now and you are struggling within yourself, within your mind and your emotions and your spirit, we understand that you want the the pain, the mental pain, the emotional pain, the spiritual pain to end. So it is important that you seek out help, support through individual counseling, group support, friends, family, hotlines, virtual groups, etc. Because suicide is a permanent act. But we want to prevent your suicide, if you're listening, and anyone and everyone that you're attached to, suicide is preventable. Because that person committed suicide, you do not have to give in to the power and influence of suicide contagion. It makes you susceptible, yes, to suicide contagion, but you do not have to engage in a copycat suicide. You do not have to get involved in suicide contagion. Suicide contagion can be curbed. So lastly, I want to share during this podcast some ways to seek out help or assistance resources for suicide prevention and awareness. First and foremost, whenever a person is having thoughts, feelings, or behaviors about death and suicide because he or she is depressed or their mood is low, it is important to discuss it, to talk talk about it, to talk to someone, talk to someone, talk to someone, initiate a conversation with someone you love, someone that loves you, and express your thoughts about your suicide. Express your thoughts. And if you have any plans, express those too. Talk to your friends and your loved ones as part of your social support, as part of your social network, so that they can be in your corner and be helpful and supportive to you. Talk to you, talk to your friends and your loved ones. They care about you. They don't want anything to happen to you. Suicide is preventable. This is Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. So it's important that you reach out, okay? Engage in outreach and talk to them and reach out to them and tap into them because they care about you. They love you and they support you. And they would be, hear me, they would be devastated. You might not necessarily think so right away, but they would be devastated if something like that happened with you. Research shows that friends and family really never, ever recover and get back to the normal baseline that they had uh, following the death of someone by suicide. And I have counseled a number of people who are still struggling with the loss of a loved one and unanswered pain, grief, and trauma by suicide. But suicide is preventable. So please uh, reach out and talk to someone. First line of contact would be a close friend or family member who you love and who love you. And if you know someone who's struggling with these sort of thoughts and feelings and 
you know, images and attempts and episodes, please encourage him or her to reach out to someone that they care about and love to, to talk to somebody, to, to share what they're dealing with. Secondly, reach out to a, reach out to a licensed professional. There are licensed therapists in whatever state you live in. There's licensed social workers, there's licensed psychologists, psychiatrists. Reach out to a licensed individual. Going in to see someone one-on-one can be very healthy and helpful for you. There can be a cathartic release, which is what we call a psychic release of pain. If you're able to go in and talk and share what some of your stresses are and what's affecting your thoughts and your feelings, your emotions. And if there is depression, if there is untreated clinical depression, then that clinician can direct you along the lines of workable treatment options for you. You may be depressed. You may have been depressed, but you do not have to stay depressed. Your depression is very, very treatable, but you do have to reach out. You can access, if you work for a job that has health coverage, you can contact your insurance network and ask about the mental health behavioral benefits. You can get a list of providers in your area by your zip code, as well as a website where they may list providers and their demographics and their name and what they do. You can contact psychologytoday.com to put in your zip code and you will get therapists and clinicians and nurse practitioners, demographic information, what insurances they take, what areas they work in, et cetera. You can reach out to therapyforblackmen.org you can reach out to therapyforblackwomen.org. You can also access various free support groups in person as well as virtual support groups. So there is professional help available for you as well. Thirdly, there is a uh, for immediate help, immediate help 24-7, immediate help 24-7. Contact the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. National Suicide Prevention Hotline, 1-800-273-TALK, 1-800-273-TALK, as well as or or the crisis text line by texting the word TALK to 741-741. So let me do that again. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is one 800 273 talk this is for immediate help 24 7 and the crisis text line where you can actually text is you can text the word talk to 741 741 if you or someone you know is in an immediate crisis or emergency you can also call 911 immediately as well as report to your nearest emergency room This has been Mr. Dion Brown, licensed therapist, trauma professional, and founder of DJB Therapeutic Solutions, sharing with you today during the month of September, the month of suicide awareness and prevention, that suicide 
is preventable, that you don't have to die, you can live, uh, you, can, you may be depressed, but you don't have to stay depressed, you may be stressed, but you don't have to stay, stay stressed, you can reach out to your help, to your supports, to get the help and the aid and the supports that you need. You don't have to be a victim of untreated depression, untreated clinical depression. You do matter. You do matter. Your life matters. You do matter. Your life matters. You do matter. Your life matters. And there are people who care much for you. There are people who care much for you. Please follow this podcast, the Lost and Found podcast, and please follow us on IG at the underscore DMV therapist, the underscore DMV therapist. And remember, you were born and created to live. Take care.